Hello everyone, welcome to Reservations. We're your host, I'm Rain Whalen. And I am Gerald McGladhands. <laughs> Gerald McGladhands. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna make one up every day. So, uh, so Jeremy, who would play you in the life, uh, like a, a movie about your life? Oh my god, first off, um, no one would ever make a movie of my life. <laughs> it's so boring, why would anyone ever do that? Um, that's a great question. Um, my joke answer with, with all because it's not the first time someone's asked me that um, which is it's a dumb question I don't know why people ask people that um, Denzel used to be my god go-to. damn it Denzel used to be my go to answer but um, now you know I I, I I would want someone to take it seriously and do a really good job <laughs> uh, so I, even though it's a stupid idea and it's a stupid question you're stupid for asking it but I'm I'm going to say Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm going to say Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay, so I was trying to trip you up because uh, as I've been looking through our yearbooks, I found a quote from you that was like, yeah, if they ever made a movie about my life, uh, Denzel would play me. Denzel, yeah. And so, like, I came up with this idea that I was going to try to, like, throw you. Mm -hmm. And if, like, you said anyone else, it'd be like, I don't know, man, I think Denzel should play you. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, too bad. Well, welcome back, everyone. Um, We hope you enjoyed last week of funny games that's right you know it feels like an eternity ago we last a, week was so long I, I was actually very happy we got a, that that comment from yes that. we got a an honest to god comment on the facebook page uh whomever i forgot your name ma'am but whoever <laughs> you are thank you for commenting that was so nice uh, we got to chat with you for a second about funny games that was so much fun yeah uh once again everyone you know we have a facebook page uh we have a twitter instagram um does anyone even hit us up on those i don't have a twitter or instagram no not really I and mean, people like the posts on uh, on instagram um but you know yeah like i said well i haven't said anything yet but um you know when we post the episodes uh on the facebook page or wherever you can comment and we usually respond i, I mean, will respond yeah but anyway, um, that was a lot of fun, but a very heavy-handed subject, and so that's why this week we're talking more about a uh, a bit of a lighter subject. And once again, in my attempt to get Jeremy to like Wes Anderson, <laughs> we are discussing the Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Jeremy. I yeah. was going to wait till after uh, we did the synopsis. What did you think of the movie? I It was better than Steve Zizou. Okay. I'll give you that. Okay. Uh, but as a whole, no, <laughs> it's not it. for me. And, okay. So I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to just say it was terrible. It sucked. This, I hate it. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I will give you reasons that I liked it. Okay. But as a whole, the story, I just, it's just like, ugh, I just don't care. Okay. <laughs> I just did not enjoy it. Well, before we do that, uh, so just like with Steve Zizou, I will attempt to give this a very brief synopsis. Because I, if uh, anyone hadn't seen it. There's no way I could. Um, the Grand Budapest Hotel takes place um, across, not necessarily three timelines, but it, we kind of go back in time. Um, from, I think, uh, the late 80s, where we're introduced to Tom Wilkinson, who plays, uh, we don't know his name, he's just referred to as the writer, who wrote a book called The Grand Budapest Hotel. And then we kind of flash back a couple of years before he passed away, when we see Tom Wilkinson, um, where he then, we're assuming, is he's telling, he's reading us the book. 
Or then we go back in time to the 60s where we meet Jude Law, who is a younger version of the writer, who has now picked up the storytelling of the Grand Budapest and how he was staying there when it was, as he puts it, its descent into shabbiness, um, where he meets the owner, Zero Mustafa, who begins to tell him the story of how he acquired the Grand Budapest Hotel. And then we get our final time back as we are now in the 20s, 20s or 30s. Um, in between, uh, Wes kind of gives us a faux history, you know, with the... It was 1932, but... The, the ZZ, you know, the zigzag is what they called them, the zigzag party, uh, which is a play on, of course, the Nazi party. But anyway, um, and where we meet a young Zero Mustafa, who is a lobby boy and being taken under the wing of Monsieur Gustave, played by Rafe Fiennes, Rafe Fiennes um, who's awesome in this movie. Anyway, and all of this to say, um, Mr. Gustav finds himself in a plot to frame him for the murder of a rich and powerful woman who he had been <laughs> seducing, <laughs> which is something that they stress is something that he loved to do as a uh, concierge at the hotel is seduce old women because apparently he likes old women um, where he so he gets framed for her murder um, and then is wrapped up in this conspiracy of well, who really did it why was it done where is the will and eventually everything comes together I'm yada yadding over it a lot because I know Jeremy probably just wants to get to his likes and dislikes of this movie um, where Monsieur Gustav is uh from the dead lady, she willed him the hotel because she was the actual owner. Um, but then when the war started, Mr. Gustav was killed because they disrespected Zero since he is technically an immigrant. And then it all went to Zero. And that's how Zero owned the Grand Budapest. Uh, and that was the Grand Budapest Hotel. Again, I yada yada over a lot. Yeah. Because I know Jeremy just really wants to get into no, I'm, it. No, I'm reading. I'm, oh, okay. I'm, I'm reading something else. Um, <laughs> um, so. No, I'm watching a movie over here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so, Jeremy. Yeah. We'll start with what you liked about the movie. Okay. Um, I do like some of Wes Anderson's techniques in... Uh, and I've seen it before, but I really, I, I really love it anytime I see it. Is assigning each time period an aspect ratio mm-hmm. so we can keep track, and it's not so disorienting to jump back and forth, right? right. Uh, in some movies, they do it by um, cinematography, by you know, once in color, once in black and white, you know. But this one is by aspect ratio, so the amount of stuff you see will change mm-hmm. on screen depending on what time period it is, which I liked. Um, there is a very specific scene that I want to talk about later that I really liked Um, and it was and it has to do with my love of silent films and Wes really dug his heels into that style for this exchange okay Um, and you may not even have noticed right and it was because I love silent films and I, I I know the pattern and the rhythm of silent films 
and he uses that for this extension. Okay. And we'll get to that. Um, I like Willem Dafoe in anything. And so getting to see Willem Dafoe is great. Getting what? to see Adrian Brody is great. Getting to see Jeff Goldblum is great. Um, what did you think of uh, Willem's underbite? This is kind of like bulldog. Like it's not the it's not the weirdest <laughs> thing he's ever done for his teeth. Um, if if you will uh, uh, indulge me for a minute, in um, David Lynch's film Wild at Heart, uh-huh. he was given almost baby teeth, like children's teeth. I feel like I and it's terrifying looking. Um, but you know, so I mean, he's done weird shit with his teeth before. Yeah. So that was actually less jarring than the <laughs> Wild at Heart um, makeup. Uh-huh. Effect. Um, <laughs> end of list. So, uh, those are the things I really, really liked about it. So, I'm sure as you you know, I love the movie. Yeah. Um, I love all of Wes's movies, not just because of, you know, of the praise that he has gotten. I just, I, I love his style. I love his comedic timing. Mm-hmm. Everything about what his movies do as far as technicality I love um, but in incidentally this was actually only the second Wes Anderson movie that I'd ever seen um, the first one being Fantastic Mr. Fox mm-hmm. um, and so I wasn't fully into his style well and this is when he really kind of I mean it was probably with Fantastic Mr. Fox Fantastic Mr. Fox was before this right and then this is just like you know this is just another day at the office, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, if you were to look at like when we did Steve Zizou, mm-hmm. he it wasn't a color by numbers Wes Anderson style yet. Yeah, he was still right. Yeah, Rushmore, dude, Rushmore is very hard to sit through. Um, I think I said it in the Steve Zizou episode. Uh, Rushmore is very, very hard to sit through because it's Wes trying to figure out mm-hmm. what his style is and there's you know everything is somewhat framed roughly mm-hmm. and then when you look at this it's perfected and right. everything is symmetrical right um, and so you know like if you watch Moonrise Kingdom it's I assume it's the same yeah Moonrise um, Kingdom's awesome and if you were to watch maybe Tenenbaums maybe <gasps> it's getting there right Ten- Tenenbaums yeah it's it, again it's I think Steve Zizou is... We're getting closer to this pastel, quirky, Mm -hmm. very, you know, precisely measured uh, shots and blocking. Oh, yeah. Yes. We're we're leaning into that more with Zizou, and then after that, we're sort of perfecting it. And then with Budapest, this is what it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, So, I mean, again, I admire someone who sticks with the style and they are a true auteur and we know exactly who made it by when, once you look at it, Mm -hmm. right? It's, you know, you're watching a, a a David Fincher movie and you're like, that's a David Fincher movie. I know exactly what a David Fincher movie looks like and that's what that is. Right. Um, You know, and, and something else too with Wes is his ever growing collection of actors that he's worked with. Yeah. You know, and this one, especially, you know, we've got. Ray Fiennes, who, as I learned last night, the part of Monsieur Gustave was written for him, and all the other cast agree, like, no one could have played that role besides Ray Fiennes. I'm trying to think if he was in... He hasn't been anything else. This is the first time he's been with Wes. Oh, okay. 
Um, but then you got Kishin Sportsman, um, first time with Jude Law, first time with Tom Wilkinson, who that's who I couldn't remember. Tom Wilkinson? Tom Wilkinson. I'm a big Tom Wilkinson fan. I just watched uh, afterwards, after I finished Grand Budapest last night, I, I was like, I really like Tom Wilkinson, and I want to see him in something I like. And so I threw, <laughs> I threw in Michael Clayton, um, which is a great sort of a... a you know, it's not a political thriller, but it's a thriller, but it's, you know, whatever. I feel like I remember it. It's great. Um, with um, Clooney. Um, it's really oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Tom Wilkinson crushes in that one. Well, He's excellent in it. <laughs> I just love, <laughs> I just love when we're introduced to Tom. He's like, very obviously setting up for a camera, mm-hmm. you know, you know, writing down on his cue cards and then he, you know, and then his grandson, who he's just credited as grandson, interrupts him like, "Don't do it!" Just, I love, I, I think, even for that brief, like three minutes, we see Tom. He just does a fantastic job. Mm. But then, um, Owen Wilson makes an appearance. Of course, you can't have a Wes Anderson movie without Wes. Apparently not. Um, Edward Norton mm. shows up, and I think this is the first time no this is the second time uh, Moonrise Kingdom was the first time uh, Ed Norton was in a Wes Anderson movie Harvey Keitel shows back up I again I do love Harvey Keitel and I was surprised uh, I didn't realize tatted up bro <laughs> I didn't realize Keitel would be into something like this right I mean cause I've you know if you know Harvey Keitel yeah. he's he was in Mean Streets and Taxi Driver and Reservoir Dogs, and right? And uh, Bad Lieutenant. You know, yeah. these are gritty, you know, violent films. And then he's in this. He's in this one. <laughs> you know? Well, and I think it's odd. If, if I remember, Moonrise Kingdom was also his first time working. See, with even Wes. that's odd to see well, him in that. When he plays the, uh, <laughs> he plays the Troop Master Scout of the all the troop of the like the Boy Scout troops in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because um, Edward Norton plays the troop leader for the little boys troop. I can't think of his name. And then Harvey Keitel is above him. I see. Um, uh, Adrian Brody, of course, who I love. I I, think. I'm also a giant Adrian Brody fan. And so it was cool to see Adrian Brody. And I liked I liked his character. I thought he, was, he did a good job. With his little pencil-thin mustache that curls. Yeah, not as pencil-thin as Zero's, which he draws on. <laughs> but... Um, well, then Zero actually gets to... You see it finally growing towards finally, the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. at the end. Um, um, Saoirse, uh, Ronan's character, I didn't care for. And mainly, it was the... Was it the, was it the birthmark? It's too quirky and too silly. The birthmark that looks like Mexico. Yeah, right? and it looks exactly like and Mexico. Like, Ugh. You know, like <laughs> my I, like my eyes are gonna get stuck that way. I rolled them so many times just because it just it just every once in a while I am terrified that Wes Anderson might actually be pretentious on purpose. <laughs> um, well, I mean, dude, he graduated from the University of Austin at Texas. So yeah, I mean, he's an Austin native. Yeah, him and. We've mentioned it before that I used to get him and Spike Jones confused with their styles. I could see that. Right? Because, and I I, I do like Spike Jones a little bit more than obviously than so I like you're, what you're saying Anderson. what you're telling me is you like where the wild things are more than this I didn't see where the wild <laughs> things are I saw I saw her which I loved oh, oh yeah I want to um, see her and I've seen a few other Spike Jones films well, and technically seen, 
any it, of the Jackass movies he was involved that's in. That's true. And, you know, technically, um, he wrote it because it was um, being John Malkovich. Oh, yeah. uh, even though I'd like to think of it as a Charlie Kaufman, it's not. It's really a Spike Jones film. So his, his quirkiness, his style uh-huh. I gravitate to more than Wes's. Wes's is a it, it it has the air of being pretentious and I don't like it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um and it might just be it might seem pretentious just because you know all the critics make it look that way. Right? Because everyone's it's almost like, did you even see the movie or are you just saying it's good because it's got his name on it? You know what I mean? Yeah. At this point. Well I- I mean, I, I I see I see what you're saying because you know, uh, you know, very early in his career, you know, with Bottle Rocket and Rushmore, and um, fuck, Tenenbaums, Tenenbaums. You know, he 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 set a standard of what his films are going to be like, and then because Tenenbaums was the last time we really had a, I wouldn't say cookie cutter film, mm-hmm. but he doesn't use a lot of pastel colors he doesn't he doesn't do a lot that what he's doing now Mm -hmm. Uh, again like we've been mentioning everyone Zizu was that tipping off point yeah Zizu was that's when he started using more pastel colors framing certain ways um and things like that now even though that one wasn't as critically loved as the other ones will be it it was almost kind of like um uh, Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, Tenenbaums were here, and then Zizu kind of dipped it down, but then he's doing, Zizu is he's back doing up a pyramid again. sort of a thing right now. Yeah. Like a ticker. He, yeah. People can't see you. Um, Don't need to see me. So, But I do <laughs> briefly want to talk about that scene. Um, when, when Gustav escapes from prison and he gets out of the manhole or whatever the fuck that thing is, Yeah. Um, he meets Zero, and we get this sort of mildly funny exchange where he's like did you bring this did you bring this no no I didn't bring that it's like wow well, okay no that's fine okay but what about this did you bring this and the way it's okay the way it's put together is exactly like a silent film and this is what I'm talking about so after the other prisoners go away and they're left there on their own we're getting this back and forth where we get a medium two shot and then a and then a close one Mm-hmm. For whoever's talking, right? Yeah. But we also get the subtle iris that's being that's being put oh, yeah. in where the edges are blurred mm-hmm. on the sides, right? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a circle, right? We're getting this very subtle iris in, which is very of the time of silent films. Right. And the reason they would be, you know, this pattern of medium two, close one, medium two, close one, medium two, close one. Of course, going back and forth from the two people is so... They are talking, here's who's talking now, dialogue card. Here's who's talking, here's who's talking now, dialogue card. So it's it's to let you know these people are talking and who is talking and now what they're saying, mm-hmm. right? So, and it's that pattern and it's going back and forth. And that's what he's doing there, which is genius. I really liked that. Okay. Um, because it's everything without the dialogue card because obviously we can hear what they're saying. Right. Right. Which I really, really liked. And I, I and if you aren't familiar with silent films, you may not have caught it. You might have thought it was odd and it was sort of shot odd. I um, But that's the pattern he was doing and I really liked that. I uh, yeah, I, I never knew that. Um the iris though, I have always noticed. I just kinda saw it as more of a um Wes was trying to make it more intimate because mm-hmm. that's when, you know, Monsieur Gustave learns 
everything about Zero that, you know, he's technically a refugee. He's not, I mean, he is an immigrant in their Zubrovka, mm. but he is actually a refugee because of the war. And he literally has nothing to his name. And that's, and so the Iris, for me, it was like Wes was trying to make it more intimate because mm-hmm. now Gustav understands really what his protege has gone through in his life mm-hmm. um, but yeah no, I, that's that's. I mean that would make sense that Wes would use a style from a silent film yes and so that's the pattern he's following yeah right? um, so before we get into the things you didn't like can <laughs> did you at least like some of the humor in this one versus like Steve Z's <sighs> yes the my I'll tell you the part that I actually I, I did laugh out loud <laughs> when um, Gustav is in jail and he has he got the shit beat out of him <laughs> and he takes a sip of water and there's blood in the in the glass of water <laughs> he's like I'm fine and he drinks and there's blood in the water and you're not meant to notice it right away right uh-huh. it's sort of a, if you noticed it you got it right. And it, that made me laugh. Yeah, there. that that has been always one of my favorite scenes in that movie where... Because <laughs> I, I can recite the whole line because it's so funny. Just his... Like, how Rafe delivers the line. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what happened, my dear Zeros? I beat the living shit out of a sniveling little runt called Pinky Pendensky. <laughs> who had the question... Uh, who had the gall to question my virility. Yeah. You should take a look at his ugly mug. And then he takes a sip. It's actually become a dear friend. Like, it, it cracks me up every time. And, and you know, the, the fact that there's just a drop of blood in the water, <laughs> that he's a lot more hurt than he's... You Letting know, on. Yeah, which really makes me laugh. Uh, and I didn't like the, you know... Again, it's very dry, which I normally like. Um, but the other part that I was like, oh, that's pretty funny, is um, him running away from the cops when he's being uh, accused of the murder, right? <laughs> and you think I did it. And then, he, and then he just jets, right? Um, and, and I love that it takes Ed Norton and some of the other cops like a minute. They're like, what? he is running. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so that those were the two parts I really liked. Um, yeah, dude. As far I, as humor goes, anyway. I, I definitely think this is one of his more uh, funnier movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, like, I see the humor in all his films, you know, even though Royal Tenenbaums gets really serious. Mm-hmm. Towards the third act of the film, uh, with spoiler alert, uh, Luke Wilson tries to kill himself. Mm-hmm. It gets very serious, and like we see him like slit his wrist. Is it because he realized he was in a Wes Anderson movie? Uh, it's because he was in love with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, I see. Well, uh, you know, and her goop. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's so I to make a Coldplay joke. What is wrong with me? Oh, right. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, it's like you should have learned from Chris Martin. So. Uh, but um, but this one definitely feels like one of his more funnier movies, even though there is a lot of <laughs> fucked up things that happen. Like, uh, you know, I don't think I mentioned it, but Jeff Goldblum's in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets his four fingers chopped off by the door. That I enjoyed also. Really? Yes. Uh, because you're not really expecting it, right? And it's played to be sort of absurd and funny. Right? Yeah, because he's being chased through this museum. Because that's also very meant to be funny, right? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, even the even the sign that says "We'll be closing fifteen minutes," and when Jeff goes through, and then Willem goes through, it says "We'll be closing fourteen minutes," which means someone <laughs> changed the card, uh-huh. and then it went. It's you would assume it's that old guy, yeah, and probably then he went and sat like, back down. 
um, which which would be a terrible job to have to have to switch out those cards every minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, and then so that's kind of ridiculous. And Jeff Goldblum, like he does everything, is playing his character sort of, you know, a little over the top and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so when he gets his fingers chopped off by the door, that's what else could it have done, right? I mean, of course his fingers fell off because that's that's yeah. the way this was going. Right? Yeah, and, I, and I love that we, we stay on that for a little bit because we see the fingers get hit and they all fall and Wes just keeps us on there for a little bit and then you see Willem pick them all up and then just stick them in his pocket and then walks away like... Willem in a cool jacket. Yeah, where when he opens it up he's got his flask and a gun right there. Yeah. <laughs> Which that I like too. Um... Um, one of the parts that my uh, my granddad loves, and that's another one of my favorite scenes, is when you know the the police mess with them on the train, and you know Edward Norton kind of gets them to go away, and and uh, and something else, uh, kind of going with that, as I always love when Gustav starts a poem, he never gets to finish it; mm-hmm. he always gets cut off. Um, but this instance, you know, he cuts himself off with you know. That's what we provide in our own modest, insignificant. Oh fuck it! <laughs> like it just I, I think Rafe has really good comedic timing for mm-hmm. a very serious actor. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't think I've really even seen. Well, never mind. I was about to say I don't think I've seen him in a comedy, but then I remembered he was in, he was in in Bruges. Yes, which technically isn't a comedy. Yes, it is. Oh. It is probably one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Yeah. It's one of my favorites um, in Bruges. When he smashes the fucking phone at and, his like kid's and birthday. Even just the the notes that he wrote, or like the message he left for for Colin at the. <laughs> yeah. It's just every other word is the F word, right? And it's <laughs> and of course he's reading it vo, but it's so funny. And his that's the same guy who did Seven Psychopaths, right? Yes. And um, three billboards outside Evan, Missouri. Really? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. Now I'm really going to have to watch that. Yeah, so anyway. they're, those are great. Um, and um, yes, Rafe is hilarious in Imbruge. Yeah, I, I, I really think he's funny, especially considering, you know, me and Ashley just finished a Harry Potter marathon. Oh, right. So, you know, and then I watched this last night, so I've been seeing him as a Voldemort, and then I'm like, Oh yeah, that's that's Voldemort right there. I mean, that's what's up. That um, I mean, kind of watch it with you're saying his name out loud, and that's uh, I mean. So I mean, I mean, at least we're not saying Candyman in front of a mirror. Okay, like what are you doing? Like <laughs> what, what are we doing? What are we doing right now? Right? Uh, I'm not playing these fucking games with you right now. <laughs> um, it's okay. There's no mirrors in here. Yeah, Rafe. I mean, also hilarious in Schindler's List. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! You know, especially you know the episode two weeks ago oh, was about I, Nazis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, so uh, Rafe is fantastic in this. I, it I, doesn't save the movie for me. Again, it's 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 too pretentious, and I think it's a little too long. Um, um, I, of course, me. This was almost like a chore. Me having to watch this movie. And That's so true. I started watching it and I was like, maybe I'll like it, right? I'll never admit it, but maybe you know, I'll like it. And, you know, when me and Alex both agreed, we really thought you would like this one. Yeah. Like, I I told Again, Alex. Again, it was better than Zizu. I, I, you know, at the end of Zizu, I was like, thank God it's over. Because it was just way too long and I just thought it wasn't as good. The story wasn't flowing, you know... Very well, and it no. wasn't. You know, I, this one was a little better. Uh, I 
there was a few things I was like mm, that they could have trimmed that <laughs> you uh, know or whatever because it didn't seem important but well, I guess now this means uh, Fantastic Fist from Fantastic Mr. Fox is my last chance to get you to like a Wes Anderson movie. Probably. Um, okay. So, what didn't you like? Okay. Besides, you've already mentioned the, Saoirse and her length character. And, and Saoirse. Yeah. It, honestly, it was the, the choice to give her a birthmark was just, that was too silly or mm-hmm. too quirky or, you know. It, yeah, that was that was too much. Um What did not like about it? Of course, it, it's it's not going to be any one specific thing. It'll yeah. probably be just more generalities, like you know, the just some of the the way the film was put together just seemed a little pretentious, and it's like you uh-huh. know. But again, I could just be saying that because of the the way it's being praised and mm. things like that, right? Well, you know, it, it won Academy Awards for. Costume design mm-hmm. and probably for Willem's jacket alone. Uh, and I want to say, oh, fuck, special effects or no, no, um, um, makeup because mm-hmm. you know, did you know that Madame D was Tilda Swinton? Yes, okay, yes, I'm a big Tilda Swinton fan, um, so I, I recognize her any, any chance I get. It, oh, shit, I was way off. I thought this movie was 2018. 2014. Yeah. Um, So it won four Oscars. uh, Best Achievement in Costume Design, Best Achievement in Makeup and Hairstyling, Mm -hmm. Best Achievement in Original Score and Production Design. Okay. Um, So I definitely feel like this, that movie deserved those four Oscars. Mm -hmm. I I mean, Ashley, that was the year it was up also for Best Picture, Mm -hmm. um, which was really hard for me and Ashley because I think it was up against Birdman. Yes, and it Birdman was, won that year. Yes, it was Birdman and Boyhood, and so oh oh fuck yeah, it was up against great yeah, movies. Yeah, and of course I didn't see Great Budapest, so I was like, well that that's not going to win, so <laughs> I don't even care. But right? um, but when when me and, when they won those four, me and Ashley both agreed that that that's perfect because that's one of the thing. Well, those are some of the elements of the movie that are really fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, all the costumes are great. You know, Tilda Swinton's makeup. Is yeah, cool. Tilda's it, great in anything she does. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, I agree that Tilda did a really good job. Playing this old... <laughs> for not very long, right? She's not in the movie that yeah. long. I was expecting her to be in the movie a lot longer. Well, I mean, her her character is a big part of the movie, but right. she is not in the movie. Um, you know, and then I love the score of this kind of Russian, like... You know European music because mm-hmm. I think we're in like a faux Russia. Yeah, kind I, of. I, you know, because there's no discernible. I went to public school. I don't know where Budapest is, but well, I think it's in Hungary or something. Well, maybe. they, well, the town they live in is Zubrovka, oh. which is, is a fake. It's a fake place. It's a fake place. Oh. Um, but um, and then you know production design. You know, Wes, as we've been saying, everyone. This is definitely where his style is perfected, because like with Moonrise Kingdom, there's not really a big set design because the, the majority of the movie is in forests and on a beach. Um, but this is it's all sets, um, except for a lot of the shots in the town they filmed in, which I think they filmed in Zurich. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, dude. I yeah, I. 
Yeah, there's just something about it, man, because it was, like I said, better than Zizu. Of course, that's hard. Um, <laughs> I, it might have just been a little too much, too much quirkiness. Maybe that's what it is, because, you know, like, not every character has to be off, yeah. right? Just a little off-center, you know, because Norton was off-center, Goldblum's always off-center, yeah. uh, Brody, everybody, right? Everyone is quirk and I, I'm sorry I can't think of a better word than that but um, so you really don't like how th- these characters are all really over the top yeah maybe that's what it is you know and it's once we introduced the the crossed keys society I was like alright let's just get this over <laughs> with <'Cause, laughs> but, but Bill Murray's part of that right yeah Bill's Bill Murray's part of it, and I like Bill Murray. And, and, which I, that and I recognized all the other ones also. Um, I don't know their names, but I recognize All, all of those guys also have worked with Wes before. Um, the gentleman with the turban, I, I recognize from Inside Zizu. Man. Oh, and he's also in Zizu. Oh, I do not remember that, but I do remember him in... He, uh, he's the cameraman. <laughs> in Inside Man. Uh, great Spike Lee movie. Um, and then the last guy of the... Uh, Society of the Cross Keys with the rounded glasses. Mm-hmm. He's in Isle of Dogs with with Bill and Edward and in in Brian Cranston. Yeah. Um, but what do you think of Bill's mustache that he grew? That's that's it's a great mustache. Um, goes all the way to the edge of his face. Yeah, he's he's a gifted man in being being able to grow his mustaches how he likes. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he can also grow a glorious beard, right? But he's also perfectly mustached. Yeah, that's that's one of Ashley's beautifully mustachioed. That's that's one of Ashley's favorite scenes of the movies when he picks them up and he's giving giving them ties, even though they're in third class on this train, right? Um, And then they give him money as a symbolic gesture, and and he just goes, "Please." Ashley loves that so much. She thinks it's so funny. Bill is fantastic in everything he does. I'm a big fan of Bill Murray's. I'm a big fan of a lot of people in this. It's not the actors that I'm not enjoying. It's their their characters. It's the aesthetic. It's the... Right. Um, People love this movie a lot. I love it. I I, I know. I, I, I... of course, you know, it, it's hard for me not to like a Wes Anderson movie. Right. The only two I haven't seen... Well, I haven't finished Rushmore. It's just, like I said, it is very rough. If, if you're used to Wes's style now and you go back and watch his older stuff, it is very rough to watch because he is trying to figure out what he wants his movies to feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't seen Bottle Rocket, even though I own it on Criterion. Um, and that's his first movie. Um, and I, I watched a video a while back where they discussed how he uses a lot of the same kind of sweeping shots mm-hmm. that he uses now. In, yes, he does do that a lot. In um, Bottle Rocket, and they're rough in Bottle Rocket because this is the first time he's doing this kind of stuff. But then by Grand Budapest, we get this nice, perfect sweeping shot, and it's perfectly centered, perfectly straight, no shakiness. Right. Because by now, he's figured out how to do it. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm not even sure I liked the idea of the painting. Also, oh, I, boy I, with Apple. It's he, it's more of a because after a while it becomes irrelevant, right? Until it needs to be relevant again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I was like, oh, maybe it's just you know we're gonna follow these guys try to sneak this painting. That that'd be kind of fun, and then it becomes irrelevant almost immediately after they steal it. It's like and then he's going to jail and all that stuff, and we kind of forget about it. Um, 
and and I feel like that was Wes's way of playing on a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it's not that important. But then it becomes extremely important because yeah. then he gets the because then the second copy of the second will mm-hmm. is hidden in the painting. Uh, and, if, and speaking of that painting, um, that has one of my favorite scenes with Adrian Brody in the whole movie when he <laughs> comes downstairs with that box of documents and he just kind of dumps it on the pool table and he's looking at the paper a boy with apple <laughs> and he looks up and he sees that it's missing and it kind of does a double take and just very nonchalantly holy fuck yeah what's the meaning of this shit yeah that painting was very graphic very graphic the that is a real painting by the way wow um, they boy replaced with, it with boy with apple is not it was no. created for the movie but the one they hang up in its place which I'm not going to say on mic uh, people can look it up or watch the movie but that is a real painting a uh, by a real artist hmm. that um, from what I understand was not created when the time of that part of the story was set in and is. Wes was just kind of like, it would just be funny. And it is because it's, what's the opposite of a Victorian boy holding an apple? That. Yeah. You know, and (laughs) in the fact that they kind of just didn't notice that it was gone and that it was replaced by that is kind of funny also. Well, and I I just love his sisters, the whole movie. They all say contradicting things. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought you hit it. You're just now seeing? And, And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? Uh, I just, I just, I love Adrian in this. I feel uh, another one of my favorite parts with him is towards the end <laughs> when they're yelling at each other from across the atrium. Where's boy with apple? None of your goddamn business. I'm going to blast your candy ass once and for all. And he just starts opening fire on Mr. Gustav. Yeah, Gustav is very effeminate yeah. in this movie. <laughs> Even though he is... Very straight. He is. Um, it's just the the way he carries himself and the you know the way he acts and dresses and whatever talks, of course. And is very uh, very effeminate, li- uh, li- uh, liberally perfumed man. Yes. Um, and so he's he's very effeminate in this movie. And so it's fun that Adrian Brody's character really just calls him out on it, you know. <laughs> um, but I do want to mention maybe the reason that this movie kind of seems. I don't know, cluttered to okay. me in terms of narrative. Um, we haven't talked about the, the source material, uh, okay. uh, which is Stefan Schweig. Um, yes. He was a, a Viennan, a Hungarian, Austrian um, novelist mm-hmm. uh, during the very early part of the 1900s. Uh, he died... Uh, him and his wife killed themselves of Oof. a barbiturate overdose in 1942. That's what it says here. Ah. Um, but he took two stories from Schweig and made this movie out of them. Oh, okay. So, and the Tom Wilkinson is meant to portray Schweig. Ah, uh, okay. So with the the glasses and the in the statue, right? Mm-hmm. It, those are his style of glasses he would have worn and things like that. Um, but it's Beware of Pity and the Post Office Girl is um, is what is are the the stories he took from Schweig to make this movie. Which makes sense because I I was like, did he write this? Like wh- like where did he get this idea from? And it, it, it seemed like an adaptation. 
right. when I was watching it. Because it didn't seem like who would come up with that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's not impossible. Someone obviously did. But it's... You know, it just seemed a little, a little much and a little right for for someone who West by this point has already kind of established himself as a original writer, right? And I, it just I can did, kind of see that. Yeah, and it didn't seem like you know, it seemed like he was putting too many ideas in one spot, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with Saoirse Ronan's character coming in, and this is of course the the post office girl part. Okay. You can kind of see the they're trying to connect these two together, mm-hmm. right? Um, and making her part of the original narrative. Um, but again, it seems a little clustered. I think that's you know how he knows about Stefan Schweig. Good for him, right? Uh, Which also know. seems a little pretentious, but that's not <laughs> neither here nor there. Because um, I've never heard of him, and I looked up some of his adaptations, and I've you know that's you know. Yeah. Uh, nothing I would have seen or heard of. And of course, you know, this, you know, unless you're a European literature person. Yeah. You know, and I'm not, obviously. So I'm not going to beat myself up too bad that I don't know who he is. Um, but he also had some run-ins with the Nazi party and, you know, sort of a Fritz Lang sort of deal, sort of moving to avoid. Okay. Right? Um, I mean, that makes sense why there's a scene in the movie where there's a Nazi-esque party, yeah. a zigzag party um, in the film. Um, did you... Um, I do want to ask this. Did you think that Zosia Vernon was going to die in the movie? That scene where they, they really make it seem like they're going to kill Sersha? Because you know F. Murray Abraham, which I didn't mention F. Murray Abraham's in the movie, who plays... He plays Zero, yeah. He plays the older Zero. You kind of suspect that she's not around anymore. Right. And then we see her picture on Willem Dafoe's desk, and they're talking about... Honestly, um, once they... I'll tell you when I thought they were going to kill her, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Is when he was at the very, very end where they are... He's discussing the fates of the people in the story he just told. Mm-hmm. Um, he talked about Gustav dying, mm-hmm. and then he talked about Sersha's character, and I don't remember her name. I'm sorry, um, Agatha. Agatha. He talks about Agatha, and honest to God, I thought she was going to fall off the cliff during the wedding. During the wedding. <laughs> Honestly, I was like, I wonder. You know, that seems like a stupid, quirky thing to do. So, it matches her stupid fucking uh, birthmark. But she dies of a uh, childbirth. Yeah, lame. Lame, 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 lame. So, lame. so you're upset that he he made it grounded and not. Hey, yeah, because it's like I mean, you want to do this thing or not? You know what I mean? You started it, <laughs> might as well finish. Honest to God, I thought she was just going to trip and fall off the cliff, and that would have been like, oh, of course. So, <laughs> you know? so speaking of the pretentiousness, um, how did you feel about Tom Wilkinson referring to writer's block as scribe's fever, <sighs> which was a Neurostinagentia, common among the intelligentsia of the time. Um. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I hated that about as much as I hated the 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 spur of the moment poetry that uh, oh, Gustav, Gustav would just do. Oh my god, it's <laughs> like, are you for real right now? I don't care how accurate it is or not. You know, it's stupid. Listen. <sighs> Again, I I'm a movie snob. 
I should love this, and I don't. And I don't know why. I don't know what it is about this that just doesn't jive with me. I because I I loved anything Tarkovsky, and uh-huh. he's very much you know sort of using his father's poetry to create narrative and mm-hmm. to create story out of that, which is what Stalker ended up being. Uh, melding his father's poetry and the roadside picnic story. And of course, Mirror is also um, adapted from some of his father's poetry, some other poetry, and the life of his mother. And so I... You'd think I'd like this, but I don't. I don't know what it is. Well, I told Ashley that I've made it my mission (laughs) to find one Wes Anderson movie that you would like. Good luck. Because, you know... You know, you show me a lot of movies that I'm worried I will hate. Mm-hmm. Some of them pay off. Funny Games, uh, most recent example. Uh, some I still don't ever want to see again. House of Jack. The Bill. House of Jack Bill. Okay. Um, <laughs> Which so, is now available on Hulu, by the way, at the time of this recording. So is it is it the complete like uncensored? It is not. I, I think God it is the rated R version. So I mean, it's not like I would want to rewatch it anyway. Yeah. But, but I'm just saying, it's on, it's, it's on Hulu right now. Anyway, but I, t- I was telling Ashley, I was like, yeah, I'm making it my life's mission to find one Wes Anderson movie that Jeremy will love. You, you, it's either good, I'll make, a, I'll make a prediction. It'll either be Bottle Rocket or Fantastic Mr. Fox. What about Isle of Dogs? Because no. Isle of Dogs, dude, oh, no. Isle of Dogs is so good, though. No. <laughs> Um, no, too pretentious. Yeah, How's it pretentious? I don't know, but it, it's, would, it's it, but it will be. I know as soon as I watch, I'm like, this is pretentious. So good because like one of the funniest things is, is at the beginning where they kind of have a disclaimer, not really a disclaimer, but they say how like because um, the film takes place in Japan uh, that all the humans speak Japanese. They all speak native Japanese. He casted Japanese actors. And they all speak Japanese uh, in the film, and they there are no subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only uh, there's like an English translator that Frances McDowell plays in the movie, mm-hmm. but she only shows up when um, like like press events and stuff. So a lot of the movie is these um, Japanese people speaking Japanese, and then it says. <laughs> All barks have been translated into English. Ah. So all the dogs are speaking. English. All the dogs are speaking English, but to the humans, they're just hearing barks. Mm-hmm. But us, the audience, are hearing English. And it's, it's so fucking good, dude. And then you know Brian Cranston's in it. Yep. Uh, Liev Schreiber, Norton. I know, like, I know Norton, a lot of people are in this. Bill Murray, uh, F. Murray Abraham, who does a uh, a very funny R.I.P. At the very beginning of the movie, because they're they're discussing like a legend, and he's like, he's gone now. R.I.P. And it's so good. And Tilda Swinton shows up in it. She plays a little pug that they call like the seer because she like knows things, but it's just because she watches TV and she understands TV. Uh, it's very good. I don't know, man. Can't wait for the French Dispatch whenever that comes out. Oh God, that just oh my God, could you imagine? <laughs> How pretentious that one's gonna be! Dude, now the that they got Timothy Chalamet in that shit now too. I know, bro. And Javier Bardem. <sighs> no way. Uh, but no, I I've seen the trailer and I'm like, no way. It's gonna be so good, no bro. Way. It's it's becoming more. <laughs> I mean, Anderson to me 
is almost becoming the new Woody Allen. Um, but but he's uh, he's not. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. Married to his uh, the, stepdaughter. Yeah, besides the obvious uh, uh, personal, you know, life differences. Uh, you know, this is what happens when Woody Allen puts out a movie. Is they put out a movie and it gets unreal. Critics go crazy. They just go nuts. Right? It's like, did you even see it? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I do see what you're saying because you know. After Steve Zizou, Wes kind of hit this stride of cranking out like really critically acclaimed movies, even movies that I don't think were even put up for um, uh, Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Here, I'm, I'm check. I'm going to peep his Rotten Tomatoes scores. Right. Let's see. Let's see here. This is fun. This is fun. Uh, this is fun podcasting. I know. Listening to you look that up. Um, <laughs> I will say to uh, if Sean is listening, uh, my friend Sean Nor Mohammed. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Sean Lee. Sorry, Sean. Uh, I was even at the wedding. I should have done that anyway. So Sean had told me to watch this movie several years ago, mm-hmm. and I believe I told her, "Don't tell me what to do." <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and I've because learned. I've learned I, this is the only way I can tell you what to do. Yeah, and is, this is, is it. This. Yeah, this is it. Um, and I was like, I don't, I don't really want to. And she, she was like, No, it was really good. And I, well, Sean, here's my reason why I didn't like it. So I did see it. And I finished it, and I, <laughs> four years later, so yeah. it goes like this: It goes Bottle Rocket, uh, Certified Fresh, eighty-five, mm-hmm. Rushmore, Certified Fresh, eighty-nine, mm-hmm. Royal Tenenbaum, Certified Fresh, eighty, uh, Steve Zizou, Rotten. 56, mm-hmm. the Darjeeling Limited, fresh 68. So that's Interesting. when he kind of... I've, I've heard Zizou, from people who like Anderson films, that Darling... Dar- say one more Darjeeling time? Limited. Darjeeling Limited is the worst one. Really? So that's I haven't seen it yet. My mom says it's great. Um, okay. And it's got Adrian Brody, Jason Schwartzman, and Owen Wilson playing brothers stuck on a train, from what I understand. Uh, but then we go Fantastic Mr. Fox... Certified Fresh 92. Okay. Moonrise Kingdom, Certified Fresh 93. Mm. Grand Budapest, Certified Fresh 91. Then Isle of Dogs, Certified Fresh 90. And then, of course, the French Dispatch, which hasn't come out Who knows? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely after Steve Zizou, he just kind of stead... Actually, I would say he shot. Because Darjeeling was kind of a... a steady rise back up. And then after that, it's... The boom. <laughs> 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do see what you say when you feel like critics go nuts when when his name is attached to a movie. Yeah. Have you seen his uh, H&M commercials? Unfortunately, yes, I have. Um, and I feel like those are also... Did you check their Rotten Tomato scores for, the, for those? Nah, I think they're on here, though. What? I was uh, just kidding. Let me see. That's no, ridiculous. No, they're not. Okay. Oh, wait, no. TV. No, it's, uh, it's oh, Charlie thank, Rose. Thank the Lord. <laughs> I would have lost my mind because I was just kidding. Um, oh, apparently he was an actor in Hitchcock and Toffet. Hitchcock? Hitchcock, Toffet. Oh, okay. Tufot. I didn't see that. Oh, Hitchcock, Truffaut. Truffaut. Oh, my bad. Uh, it's a documentary. Oh, okay. Um, oh, so actor. Yes, he was he, in that. He's a talking head. He's a talking head. Yeah, oh, okay. that one. Uh, it's it, the book, Hitchcock, Truffaut, is amazing. Uh, it's a it's an interview that uh, Francois Truffaut uh, did with Alfred Hitchcock about filmmaking. Ah, uh, okay. And so it's a, you know, he, uh, Francois Truffaut, 
sorry, this is a film history lesson, was a part of the French New Wave, ah. um, doing more sort of a little more grounded story uh-huh. storytelling, but also taking a lot of risks in in style and um, in editing and narrative structure. And so uh, not only Truffaut, but also Jean-Luc Godard and a whole bunch of others oh, okay. were in this. But anyway, he interviews um, Hitchcock, and this is after The Birds. And oh. so this is, you know, he has a ton of filmography, and they talk about every single one of them. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so Jeremy, are you ready to wrap up, wrap up, wrap up? Oh, thank God. Yes. Uh, so I love the movie. I know. Um, again, like I said, most people do. This being the second film I'd ever seen from him, uh, that's when I, I was like, I have to see more. I've, I've got to see what what led to this. Um, and then that's when I saw. I think I saw the Royal Tenenbaums first, and then I saw Steve Zizou. Um, still need to watch Bottle Rocket, and I still need to finish Rushmore. Um, but then I will have seen all his movies, and I will. I also am determined to own all his movies on uh, that Criterion Collection. Yeah, that Criterion. But um, <laughs> they need to do Isle of Dogs now. Shout out to Criterion Collection. I love Please you. give me movies. Right now is their 50% off sale. Uh, yes. So if you go to their Criterion website or Barnes & Noble, uh, you can get 50% off all titles. This uh, is not sponsored. This is just no, me and Jeremy. You imagine? Dude, if we were sponsored by a Criterion, I... I would have all the movies I want right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd lose my mind. It would save me a lot of money. I know. You would probably have all 1,400. Yeah, probably. I think you have a good... I have a, I have a good amount. I have about yeah. 100, maybe. Yeah. It's um, 1,300 more. Yeah. Is that all <laughs> that's left? Um, so, Jeremy, you, I, will, I, I accept your... You like this more than Steve Zizou. Cool. But still not, not there yet with nope, Wes Anderson. I'm not there yet. I will... I don't know. We may not do an episode on Fantastic Mr. Fox, but I, I may may get you to just watch it. It's on my shelf. Just I, watch I, it. I have Fantastic Mr. Fox I mean, on my shelf. it's the Criterion, though. Oh, no, I don't have that You don't one. have the Criterion? No, I just have the regular. Bro. Oh. I'm not spending money on a Criterion, if I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> that's crazy. But now I can sell Grand Budapest, because that was also on my shelf, and I'm not going to watch it again. So that's God damn it. perfect. Um, I'm excited to talk about next week. Well, next <laughs> I'm excited to talk about the next episode. So so before we talk about what the next episode is, we just have two quick announcements. One's not really that important. I just want to talk about it. Okay. Uh, we have new headphones coming in. That is really... Our, our ears are no longer going to hurt uh, so after a while. <laughs> when me and Jeremy first started this, uh, the headphone we've been using the headphones that we've used all the way since season one, and we've just kind of dealt with them uh, but they squeeze our heads and they're just way too uncomfortable and so now we've got some new ones coming finally which is exciting audio technical ones so they're going to sound really good and from what I understand they are so comfortable and then the second announcement I will let Jeremy say it and then we'll get into uh, what we're talking about next week so I am going out of town next week so I will not be here Uh, so we are going to take a week off Yes. Um, and when we come back, so don't expect us uh, next week. We will not be here. But the following two weeks yes. uh, will be a two-parter, and we are going to do the Man With No Name trilogy. Uh, so that is Fistful of Dollars for a few dollars more in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, uh, the Sergio Leone Yes. Um, I remember you wanted to do this back in, I think, season two. Probably. 
uh, and you even gave me your your copy of yeah. all three movies because the uh, Kino uh, Kino Classics has them individually, and you know I'm you know I needed to have them individually. <laughs> so. so Jeremy's admitting that I, I get his. Uh, he does. Uh, his sloppy seconds. He does. Uh, yes, Rain gets all the <laughs> sloppy. Uh. Well, I will say, at least you take care of your movies. I, I remember when people would give me movies, like, in high school. They'd be all fucked up and scratched. And I'm like, no. They might as well be brand new. I don't, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, everyone. So, we hope you enjoyed Grand Budapest. Uh, if you've seen it, you know, let us know on our comments on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the yeah. website. I mean argue with me I don't care yeah I'm sure I'm sure all of you liked it you morons but I but I I did I you just know, you know four seasons in I'm pretty sure everyone knows you don't mean it when you call them morons oh no I I, I guess I don't they right. they uh they're like oh, it's, it's just him giving just doing tough love yeah I'm, I'm just doing it with business <laughs> uh alright everyone well we will see you um in two weeks after this episode <laughs>